0: Sports ethos production. I'm your host Candace Hagens, and as always, it's a pleasure and it's a privilege to talk Hawks with you. The Seahawks finally got in back in the victory column after a hard fought victory against the LA Rams. A tough game it was. Um, this was Gino's true game where he was able to really put the team on his back. We saw a little, little bit of it in the Detroit game getting in that win earlier in the season. But this was truly nobody else but Gino, you know, on paper, they should have won this game going into it. You would say there is no excuse. But when you lose every single running back, except for the Tony Jones who's on your practice squad, who hasn't really practiced, that sort of changes the dynamic there. And Bobby Wagner was fierce. He was competitive. There was a lot of chippiness in this game. A lot of back and forth in this game. It was a divisional opponent and you could tell these teams. So don't have any love lost between them for sure. And so it became up to Geno to win this game with no defense really, with no running game for sure, and just win the game just go down and I, and what I love the most about that drive, for that game winning touchdown from him was that he had basically a two minute drill that he had to do and he nailed it like time wise not just that he got this, that he didn't have to settle for a field goal then you gotta hope the defense can hold him no, not only did he get the touchdown he got it with like seven seconds left to spare maybe nine, but he did it, and he timed it right. It wasn't too fast. It didn't leave you. You know, there was, there's been times where Russell Wilson's gone down to do a game-winning t- touchdown, but, you know, it still left a lot of time on the clock. It was this big, explosive play, and there was still time for the team to go down the field. And so then you have to hope the defense can carry it over. It was not one of those. Couldn't have been better. Gino had an amazing game, 300 in. 67 yards three touchdowns one interception that I personally don't feel feel was interception most don't feel like that was interception they gave that interception to bobby tony jones was the target for that one tony jones couldn't he he sort of caught it and he lost it when he when he hit the ground couldn't hold on to it bobby kind of ripped it from his arms and they counted it as an interception um so you hate to see that against Geno's stats, but he still managed a 116 passer rating. Nevertheless, it was a huge game from also the wide receivers. They contributed heavily to this game. We've not often seen both DK and Tyler get hot, but you had DK with 127 yards on eight receptions, one touchdown. Tyler Lockett with nine receptions, 128 yards, and a touchdown. It was just huge, huge. That's my takeaway. Gino and the wide receivers, save the day. Gino is the hero. And just, you know, common themes that we saw is that this team just is what it is when it comes to run defense. They just could not stop the run. Um, now, well, at least I take this. The first two drives, they could not stop the run. It looks the same. They got better as the game progressed. They made some adjustments. K.J. Wright talked about some of those adjustments in the K.J. Wright podcast, essentially saying that the Rams were running in the C-gap. They were leaving that wide open. Um, Basically, the way uh, football works is that it is an A-gap, B-gap, C-gap. And basically, you're looking at the gaps in between the center, pretty much. Um, In between the center and the guard, in between the guard and the tackle. Um, And so they were attacking that C-gap. There wasn't really anybody but a cornerback, you know, Tariq Willen, to try to prevent the run from happening. By then, it's too late. They've already got enough yards, you know, four yards, five yards, maybe even more. So what they did was put Bruce Irvin to have him guard that A-gap, I mean, to start that C-gap, and it made a difference. Now, it's my hope that they'll implement this strategy moving forward, but you never know. So, I'm just glad they were able to adjust, kind of hone down. They had an okay pass rush, 15 pressures. You, you'd love to see more, but it came when it counted. And I'll, I'll give it that. Um, but they allowed 171 yards, again, in the running game. Cam Akers at 60 yards, which is a lot for him. And six yards, yeah, generally you take that in a vacuum, but... Caremakers has been pretty bad. So, you probably gave him more than he to normally have against a better team. And, anyway, it it was not a good game for the Trenches. I don't think that the offensive line was particularly strong. Another game where your best offensive lineman was Gabe Jackson. And that's not ever really what you want. That's not That's not what you want. Gabe Jackson is old and inconsistent, and he was graded the highest MPFF at a 65 and meanwhile austin blythe and damian lewis were the worst graded offensive players on the team this, this past week and that's not what you want to see now i do factor in that there was some flu bug going around a lot of people were sick playing this game coming off of the flu maybe they had something to do with how poorly the trenches looked i think just how physical, how much physicality they lacked. Hopefully that improves in this upcoming game against the Panthers. But that's pretty much this game in a nutshell. I just can't express how important this drive was for Gino when evaluating him as a potential long-term option. You want to be able to know that Gino has the ability to, when the game's on the line, um, bring it out. Now, can he do it in the playoffs? Can he do it on a com- relatively consistent basis? It's yet to be seen. But you need to know that it's in there. You need to know that he's got that. Because um, not every quarterback does. And that's for sure. So, in this episode, I'm going to do some recap. You know, I, I, that's pretty much the bulk of the recap I want to talk about in regards to the game. And then I want to preview the Rams game. Um, but before I do that, I just want to give Gino his flowers. Now, my feelings have not changed on where I stand with Gino in terms of long-term in the future. This doesn't shift my thought process that this team can't afford to pay him for 30 million plus dollars or they, that they should not pay him 30 million plus dollars. I think he's having a phenomenal year. I don't know if this will continue. Now, I don't think he'll be bad, but I just, you guys know, I talked about it before, not for putting up, paying that much money, for somebody with a, a clear ceiling, um, even in when some of his best games. And I know this is not a great game to talk about it. He played a phenomenal game this past game. And he did. Um so let's give Gino his flowers though. Cause he's having a historically good year, especially from an accuracy standpoint. Gino is one of he is one of the only quarterbacks or the only quarterback to throw two touchdowns in 10 of his 12 starts. That's better than Mahomes, better than Josh Allen, candidates for MVP. He's also the only player with at least a 64 completion rate percentage and an 80 passer rating in each of his last 12 starts. He is first in completion percentage still at 72.7. He is second in passer rating At 108.7, he is third in touchdown passes, and that was what was unexpected. People didn't expect that Geno would be able to get in the end zone, and he seems to be doing a great job of doing that. Third in touchdown passes for all quarterbacks. Fifth in passing yards at 3,169, and then PFF agrees. PFF cosigns what the counting statistics say. They ranked him third in the number of big-time throws, elite throws. He's third place in having the most of them at 25. And then finally, he has the highest PFF grade of 99.7 on passes of 20-plus yards, which is incredible. Everybody talks about Russell Wilson and the deep ball passer he was. Well, Gino may not have that pretty-looking moon ball, but he sure is more accurate. It seems like statistically than even a Russell Wilson when he does have those big plays. And so that was something I did want to see more from Gino. I wanted to see more down the field throws. I wanted to see more explosive plays, um, not because he wasn't doing a good job of having of, of like, you know, compared to the landscape. I knew he was what he was one of the top players in big time throws. But it just had been a long time since you've been able to see you want to see one or two a game. And I think he'd gone a couple of games without them, and you wanted to see that peak, see that pick back up, and you most definitely saw that in the in this game. Right now, know is on pace to finish with forty four hundred yards, or 4, hundred and eighty nine yards to be specific. He's on pace for thirty one touchdowns, and having a seventy two completion rating. And those numbers have only ever been clo- the only other player who's ever been close to to that kind of Accuracy, completion rating, was Drew Brees when he had over 5,000 yards, um, over 42 touchdowns. Now, those numbers, Gino won't have a chance to touch those, but that's Drew Brees, Hall of Fame quarterback. That's a great company to be around um, in terms of your statistics. And Gino's more efficient. Now, he's doing what he's done on 100 less throws. That's incredible. So that's pretty much this seahawks game in a nutshell those are my key takeaways so let's get into this next game upcoming with the panthers seahawks matchup this was a really important one to win it's just as important as their rams one as the seahawks are in the position where they have to pick up these easy wins in order to maintain themselves in the playoff race and potentially We'll talk about this a little bit more, but with the injury to Jimmy Garoppolo Garoppolo and the 49ers now starting Brock Purdy, it opens up a bit of a door for the Seahawks to potentially be the number one division or the number one team in the division. We'll talk about that and more starting now. All right, so looking ahead at this Panthers game, I say one of the most important things for the Seahawks is going to be health. Now, the good news is on the running back front, Travis Homer is a go at least. And I know that they've signed uh, Wayne Thalman and I know they signed him for the purpose of, you know, backup uh, because you, you really can't depend on Tony Jones to be your primary back. It's just not a good look. Um, so that'll be interesting to monitor um, right now. According to the injury report, it looks like both Kenneth, when Kenneth Walker, third, and DJ Dallas are going to be questionable. They're going to be game time decisions. I, I don't know ultimately who will go. I have a feeling, especially in Ken Walker's case, they're going to rest him. They they might go ahead and pay, play DJ Dallas, but because they played him last game, he had to sort of get that out. My instinct, and I could be completely wrong about this, but my instinct is they're probably going to rest both those guys. Uh, especially against the Panthers game. They, got a, they, they brought in a guy. So, I think they use him. Now, Ryan Neal has often also been ruled as questionable. Now they do have insurance. They did sign John Abram sort of play. He was signed last week, but of course he didn't have enough time to get the playbook to you know to know it. So he he if they don't play Ryan Neal, I think it'll be Abram that we see. As long as it's not Josh Jones, I'm good. I think he's on IR now. So uh He's a game time decision. They might go ahead and play him. He's been questionable as of late and he sort of pushed through and played. Hopefully um, we can see him. And then out of nowhere, the first two practices, DJ DK Metcalf was fine. And then towards the end of the week, he basically popped up and now he's questionable with some sort of a hip issue. Hopefully, everything's all right with him. DK will be huge in this game. Uh, if nothing else, they'll need DK to take some pressure off for Tyler Lockett so he can get some plays open. Um, they do have some talent back there in the backfield um, with Jeremy Chen. Um, and players like that, it's just you want your best guys. You know, I don't think they can do anything with DK Metcalf. So I think this could be another really big game for him if he were to play. So hopefully, he's going to be okay for the team. And on the Panthers, on the Panther side of it, they're looking pretty healthy. Um, their number one, their biggest question was Devontae Foreman. He was questionable, but they're coming off of a bye week, and so they're they're basically in a place where they're getting healthy. Um, they're they have a couple of safeties that are questionable right now. Um, Xavier Woods, he was questionable. Uh, we'll see what happens with that. Um and they have a linebacker that's also questionable but they're coming in pretty pretty healthy. And so this, that is a disadvantage on the Seahawks front. You you really hope that they got got key guys um, that can pull it together at the last minute and play for this team. But in the real side, I still think there are a few matchups to watch up to watch out for in this game. Number one matchup, of course, Tariq Willen versus D.J. Moore. And D.J. Moore has had sort of a down year, right? It, it's not been great for him. Normally, despite his quarterback issues, he's able to put up, you know, over a 1,000-yard seasons. But he's got 600 yards so far. Um, He does have four touchdowns, which is about what he normally has. But it's been a down year, to say the least, for him. But the thing you got to watch for is – it seems to be he can be getting some steam. Um, his last game against the Broncos defense, which is stingy Ed best, one of the best defenses in the league, DJ Moore was able to put up 103 yards in four catches. So he was able to be a huge threat in the explosive play game. Uh, 77 of those yards were on Pat certain and one touchdown. So if he can put up 77 yards on Pat certain Tariq woolen has got to be sharp for this one. Make sure, he, make sure he's on guard. Make sure he's not uh, baiting too much. Um, you don't want him to get too much trouble with those. But I know he baits quarterbacks. Uh, he wants to be careful on this one. You don't want to get burned by DJ Moore. Uh, they want to be able to make sure that they um, keep him in check for sure. Because uh, once you keep him in check, and if the defense can manage to keep the run game in check, that's the offense. They don't have anything else to go to. So that'll be huge. And then another matchup that I'll be watching for is Brian Burns, who is having a fantastic year on defense. He's got 53 pressures, quarter PFF, 10 sacks, and a forced fumble. He won't be trifled with. And so this offensive line, and Charles Cross in particular, they have got to do a better job. Um, the past two weeks, Cross has surrendered nine pressures, and that's not that's that's trending in the negative direction compared to what how he had been doing before and so you want Charles Cross to get that under check. You want him to be able to hold his own against a, you know, tough guy. I mean it's a physical guy. Um and I think this the trenches could use a little bit more physicality, uh, just at the line of scrimmage to get some more push, not just with the with the pass pro, but also just in the run game. It's that element of physicality that's really missing from this team and that you really uh Hope that they can put at least a little bit up together, or they're gonna get they're gonna be in trouble against the Panthers team. That if nothing else, is very hard nosed and very physical. They're gonna bring it to you every, each and every snap. So with the matchups already discussed, and there's not a ton because the Panthers just don't have a lot of weapons. That's just the reality of it. You know, on paper in every way, the Seahawks are the better team, but it doesn't mean that they're guaranteed the victory, especially given how bad the run defense has been. So, let's talk about the keys to victory. So, one, the number one key to victory is going to be the run game in the trenches. And there are a couple of X-Factors that are gonna play a role in this because it's the run game on offense and it's the run game on defense. It's gonna be decided in the trenches is how this game is gonna go. I got my number one X factor is Puna Ford. Puna Ford has had a very inconsistent year. Depending on what scheme he's being asked to play, he seems to be either non-existent or a force to be reckoned with. You see him all over the place. There doesn't really seem to be any in between with him. And so you hope that this team puts him in the best scheme, put in, in the best position, scheme-wise, to be able to uh, put, penetrate the line of scrimmage. You really want him to be able to get some push um, and stop this run game early. If you stop it early, uh, maybe you can make the team one-dimensional where they gotta pass in order to catch up. And that's gonna that's gonna put the Seahawks at an advantage because they've got a great secondary. But nobody's really throwing it the secondary like that because they know they can just run it up and they can run it up, up the middle, um, out to the sides and see how it's fold, you know. So another factor in the run game, my X factor on offense is gonna be Gabe Jackson because Gabe Jackson has been better the past couple of weeks. Against Vegas, he was a 60, he was graded a 63.9 in the run game and against LA he was graded a 61.1 in the run game, not great pop out at your stats, but considering his counterparts in the run game, Austin Blythe and, and Damian Lewis have been getting like 30s graded, 30s just absolutely getting mauled at the line of scrimmage. You know, 60 is pretty good, it's solid. It's all you gotta be. They don't have world beaters, they don't have uh, a Josh Jacobs that's running it after end the day. You just gotta be solid. And so, Gabe Jackson, if he can hold up, and, and uh, Abe Abe Lucas is also the better run tackle, and just run run right at that right side. If you can get Gabe Lewis and if you can get Gabe Lewis and Abe Lucas to get you some push at the line of scrimmage, hopefully the running backs can run behind them because it doesn't matter who's back there—Travis Homer, uh, Wayne Gallman, whoever it is—they have got to get more push at the line of scrimmage, or it won't mean anything. I mean. Part of the issue in the run game was Tony Jones just not being prepared to run, and, and really for, for prepared, at all for the level of physicality he would experience. But it was also the run ga- the running, the uh, the run blocking that was so poor. I'm not sure if Rashad Penny could have done anything with the way some of those. Some of those snaps looked at the line of scrimmage. So that's definitely a point of emphasis, and it's got to be for this team on both ends. Hopefully the game plan involves improving. I want to see improvement in both of those areas in that regard because otherwise this team is going to get smashed as they approach tougher teams, including the 49ers. They don't get that run game under control. They don't have a chance at winning this division because they're going to lose that game to the 49ers before it even starts. So it's critical that you start seeing improvement now. They're not going to be world beaters in the run game. That's okay. But can they be solid enough to hold up against bad opponents and make them one-dimensional? Can they do that? I certainly hope so. Oh. And this is a good team to do it against. Right now, the Panthers rank 23rd in rush yards allowed. That's pretty – this opportunity is there. So their defensive their offensive line isn't doing – or their defensive line isn't doing a great job of preventing the rush attack. Try to take advantage of that. And I'm not saying run into a wall. This is not the game that Peach should go in and run one pass. Even though the the Panthers are ranked 11th in past events, they've not experienced a kind of Lockett or DK Metcalf combo. So, I feel confident that Gino can do well in the pass game, and I think they should pass first a lot on first downs. I think when they run would be helpful. I would recommend running more on second downs. Pass more on first downs, run on second downs, maybe maybe get on third down. But especially to start the game, pass more on first down because they're going to be expecting the run, and they're going to be expecting to stop that. Then once you get accustomed, you know, maybe halfway through, then maybe you run on first down and pass on second down it up a little bit um but they've got to do something to make sure that this run game can at least be solid have to be world breaking just solid and then like i said stopping the run is going to be more, more important one another key factor i hope is that they're going to implement Boye mafe in the run game a little bit more um he he really didn't get a lot of snaps um at all in the run game. He only had three snaps on the run defense and He scored better than Bruce Irvin in the run game according to PFF He was a better run defender in those three snaps than Bruce Irvin was the whole game And so get Boye Mafe in. He's an elite run defender. You know, you can count on him for that Use it. I I don't understand why that's somebody they went away from in the last game against the Rams but they did that's a mistake and it's something they have got to get back to because they gotta get they gotta stop the run first and foremost at this point all right so those were the keys to victory let's talk about three reasons to fear and three reasons to cheer so my three reasons to fear this week they're not many but they are valid and one is that the Panthers are coming off for bye week. So you're dealing with defensive linemen that got some fresher legs. Um, they are ready to go. They're energized off of their uh, past win against the Broncos. And they're looking to build some momentum against this Seahawks team. That you can't, this, if you're the Seahawks, you cannot let that happen. The second reason to be a little nervous why the Seahawks could, could lose this game is they Deontay Foreman. It's not like he's just some incredible running back, but it's just that the run defense is so bad. It doesn't matter who's back there. You got to be afraid for the run defense and for the running back on the opposing team to just suddenly go off and have a career of his life against Seahawks' run defense. And then thirdly, this team, the Panthers, they are tough in the trenches. Like I mentioned, they've got that physicality. they got that edge uh, both on the offensive line, which is very strong, and the defensive line. Uh, which is pretty good. Solid areas. They are they are hard-nosed guys, and our Seahawks team, the D-line, seems to be a little finesse this year. Uh, not enough, not enough Maulers for sure. Not enough people movers for sure. And gotta get back to that. Those are three things that make me nervous. But I think for me, they're overcome by the reasons why I'm encouraged, why this team can win. One, it's a home game. The twelves are always going to bring the noise, bring the energy, like you guys always do. Gino, unquestioned, is flat out better than Sam Donald. Could run laps around Sam Donald, and it's not even close. And so that's a huge advantage, the QB advantage that the Seahawks have against these Panthers. And that should enough, hopefully, get get the win. But it's not just about one player. It can't continue to be that. Um, it, I mean, it was one player who won the game against L.A. You really need a team win. You need some more helps, some more game, something from um, from your team and your defense. And then number three, the wide receivers are just night and day better, which is why it's just so important that DK play this game. I just think that it makes it a lot tougher to guard. It makes, I mean, DJ D- DK Metcalf is a matchup nightmare for any cornerback. Especially anybody on the Panthers roster, and you tie that with the ability that somebody's going to have to take care of Tyler to it too, and it just opens up more options for Gino. And given that you that you're probably have to lean more heavily on your pass game than your rush game, that's got to be at full strength. Um, that way this this offense can have something to hang its hat on. So, anyway, we're looking forward to the game. Um, hoping to have a guest speaker on with us. Uh, early next week as we break down the Panthers game and talk about the standings in terms of where the Seahawks are in the NFC West and the playoff race in general. In the meantime, you can follow me on Twitter at CandaceH901. Be sure to follow the show at EthosSeahawks. We hope that you all have enjoyed this episode, that you will enjoy the Seahawks game. Um, Feel free to leave a review. Comment if you're listening on YouTube. That's it guys, I'm out, and as always, go Hawks!